So last week we began our series called Miraculous. Pastor uh, Mark Rowland, Pastor Mark Putman preached on Jesus' first miracle when he turned water into wine in Cana of Galilee. And one of those things we learn is one thing, it's one thing to believe God can do a miracle, but the deeper question is, do we believe God will work a miracle in our life? And we saw this miracle that God cares about us, those details in our lives. God cares even when wine runs out at a wedding reception. Last week, we also learned that St. John uses the word signs for the word miracle. It's like John is telling everyone that Jesus has been performing these signs. He's the word made flesh, the God-man. And St. John wants to see, show that Jesus is indeed God incarnate. And he wants to increase the faith of those who read that gospel and become followers of Jesus Christ. So today we'll discover that God wants us to participate in the miracles, not just merely be spectators. You see, miracles did not start and stop with Jesus. There are miracles all over the Old Testament, miracles all over the New Testament. And when the church was born at Pentecost, the disciples began performing miracles as the Spirit enabled them. Acts 2.43 says, Everyone was filled in, with awe and wonder at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And the apostles were constantly doing miracles, performing miracles in order to validate the gospel. And time and time again, there was a cost to performing these miracles. Sometimes, if they did a miracle, there would be a beating, or they would be put in jail. You know, that would stink, wouldn't it? You do this incredible thing, and then people just don't understand it, and they throw you into jail. And doggone it, you get beaten with rods, too. But you know what? It was worth it for them, to them. And they kept on spreading the good news and performing miracles. Last week, we learned how miracles were a part also of our movement, the Methodist movement, and the church universal. And it, these miracles also take place in all the gospel. And you know what? What's really cool about John 6 is that we read about the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, it says just men, but I'm sure there was double that. 10,000 people experienced this feeding. And this is the only miracle besides the resurrection that occurs in all four gospels. Let's take a look at this together. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw signs he had performed by healing the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near and Jesus looked up. He saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, or shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. 
And Philip answered him, It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to just have a bite. And the other, and, and another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, filled 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into this world. Wow, what a miracle. These folks are following Jesus and they won't stop following him because Jesus feeds. Notice, Jesus pipes up with a question. A question of responsibility. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? St. John gives insider information there. He's, he says he asked this only to test him. For he, was already, he already had in mind what he was going to do. You see... These disciples have seen these miraculous signs and wonders. They were at a wedding reception when hundreds of gallons of water was turned into the finest wine, I believe that, ever made. They tasted it. They partied with Jesus and the bridegroom and the whole family. You see what is happening here is uh, Jesus is checking his followers' miracle pulse. They were, where were they going to buy bread for all those folks? There's two responses. Philip gives the potential uh, budget estimate for the feeding. Half a year's wages for just a bite of bread for each person. Andrew escorts a boy to Jesus who had five small. Notice the word small. These weren't loaves, huge loaves, hail bay size of loaves, and then two small fish. This wasn't a 900-pound grouper. It was a miracle that happened. One time I heard a preacher say, you know, the boy inspired these people around him to pitch in their food, and that's how this took place. I say, hogwash. This is a miracle, man. How's your miracle, Paul's? How is it? Is it beating, reverberating in your soul? And you feel that in your bones. Do you believe that God can still do the supernatural today? Around you and through you. Big miracles. Small miracles. And miracles can come in all shapes and sizes. I've seen a couple of miracles right before my eyes. 
One, in fact, made the hair stand up on my neck, and I felt like those hairs were straight and frozen for three hours. It sent chills sweeping through me, and I believe it. I've talked to some of our staff. They've seen the same thing. And God still does miracles today. Years and years of ministry, I totally dig the miracle, though, of what God can do inside of a person to transform that person. When people begin to taste, take tastes of God, as God calls for all to taste and see that the Lord is good, it's, it, I love hearing like atheists begin to cross the threshold into belief by hearing from the bread of life, hearing the gospel message. And you see, Jesus went far beyond physical bread to illustrate what he is to human life, to human purpose, and to human fulfillment. Jesus knew what these people were, were hungry for. Spiritual. That. And it wasn't physical bread. It was spiritual bread. In this feeding of 5,000, you see, they, they thought Jesus was this, I don't know, nonstop food truck, bread-making <laughs> food truck, food trailer. They thought he was going to meet all of their material and all of their physical needs. And, and they saw those signs and wonders, and they just kept following him because he supplied. They thought that all there was to life was the material, the physical, what you can hold in your hand. And what you can put in your stomach, what you can wear, and then where you can live. We still do that today. We can't look past our, our noses and our lips and our stomachs sometimes. God wants us to look out into the world and see and then expect the miraculous can occur in our lives and the lives of those around us. From spiritual bread... That God can give to our souls and everyone else's. Look at what Jesus says uh, deeper into John 6. He tells us what is behind the miracle. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw these signs that I performed, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, what must we do with the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and that is, as is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not from Moses who, who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is from my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared... I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you, do you smell what Jesus is cooking here? 
Jesus is saying you can't substitute the material for the spiritual. You see, the world is always teaching us sick dependency on the, miracle, on the material, and it's all around us. And this thing, they, the world says, will enhance your life. This stuff will give you security. This way will give you purpose. Baloney. Boulder dash. No way. You see, we, we hardly ever get physically hungry anymore. And I'm not a betting man, but I guarantee everyone here is not crazy hungry. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if I can remember the last time I came into the house and yelled at Kim, I am starving. <laughs> Seems like I've been full for like three years, especially during the pandemic. You know, it's just, even fasting from lunch, I don't ever feel starved. And that's the huge quandary these days. We have the material to fill us up all around us. So many things to feed on, thinking that it's nourishment. But how about the spiritual life? How about it? Is your spiritual stomach groaning for this bread? Are you filled with this spiritual bread that brings True security, true fulfillment, true purpose. This reminds me of a quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. And like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Are we settling for mud pies in a back alley when infinite joy is offered to us by the bread of life? Abundant life-giving bread is offered to us daily. You know, I think there's two kinds of, of bread that people can eat. The physical bread that perishes, that it only can feed the body. But there's this spiritual bread that is eternal, that can feed the soul. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it's a statement of eternal satisfaction, my friends, for you and for me and for all of those around us. And it's no coincidence that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem literally means house of bread. Jesus made it plain that if you come to him, trust in him, receive him, and through his holy word feed on that and feed on his table that we gather with at communion and through the sacraments, you will never grow hungry and thirsty again. The prophet Isaiah asked a great question in chapter 55. It goes like this. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Eat if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It is all free. Why spend your money on bread that does not give you strength? Why pay for bread that does you no good? Listen, I will tell you where to get bread that is good for the soul. And he's prophets, this prophet's just seeing forward about the bread of life coming into the world to give us these things. 
When I was in seminary, my professor, uh, Dr. Lawson Stone, would read scripture at the beginning of class. And I remember uh, over a course of a couple months, he was reading through Psalm uh, 119. And if you, if you know that psalm, it's like 176 verses. And there was this young lady, I kind of called her this name to myself. She was the Ummer. And he would read a few verses, and she would go, hmm. He would go, blessed are those who are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. And you'd hear her go, hmm. Blessed are those who keep his statutes, who seek him with their whole heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. And you'd hear her. You could count on it. Hmm. I, re- I remember it. It really never bothered me. It was like she was listening and her ears caught bread that was tossed up and those ears just took them and went right down into her soul. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever prayed with people, people just who are like-minded and you pray and you're just listening and there's that agreement in prayer and you go, hmm. <laughs> soul food right there during worship. You, know, you you sing these songs, you're lifting up your hands, and you're like getting this bread just flopped out on you, and you're going, hmm, your soul's going, hmm. I hope we can be oomers. <laughs> Uma? <laughs> I don't know what to call that. You, you know, you can never substitute that material for the spiritual. The material will never, never satisfy. You know, Basil Pascal said, there's this God-shaped vacuum in the life of every person that only God can fill. And that God-shaped vacuum is filled with those ums as we dig into the word and in worship and prayer and the spiritual disciplines that we Christians practice. You see, the world wants to satisfy the body. God wants to satisfy your heart, your mind, and above all, your soul. The world wants you to focus on that which is going to die. Maybe focusing on just self and body. God wants you to focus on that which is going to live forever, your soul. And there's one thing about this bread. This bread of life that the followers of Christ need to remember. This bread is eaten every day. The bread of life should be consumed every day. And we should twist these two bread verses together. I am the bread of life. John 6, 35. Give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 6, 11. And the way you feed on a spiritual bread is opening that spiritual bread basket of those things I just preached about. It's that nourishment of God. You see, that's the nourishment that will get you through each day, just today. And then when tomorrow comes, you feed on it, you can say again, just today. Think about how powerful that sounds in the midst of what we're going through right now. Strength for today. Bread, soul food, nourishment for today. Jesus reminds us from this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, we also ought to offer that soul food for others from ourselves. You see, these people were hungry, 
They needed to be fed. And what did Jesus say to his disciples? I love how in Mark's version, uh, Mark writes a statement. He says, you, you give, some, give them something to eat. You feed them. And God wants to use us to feed others. We are bread hoarders. <laughs> Sitting back in a dark corner, I got my bread, leave him alone, leave it alone. You know, we, we are to feed others with the, the strength and nourishment that we have received from the bread of life. I wonder if that kid who had those five small barley loaves and small fishes overheard Jesus say, how are we going to feed all these people? Perhaps after he heard it, he went up to Andrew, tugged on Andrew's robe, and said, excuse me, sir, my mom made me a brown bag today, and I have five barley loaves and two fish. You know? Maybe he was following Jesus and he was hearing and doing Jesus' words and this kid made a straight A in that kind of gospel action. He got it. And it went, when it comes to what God wants to do, we are involved in that just like this kid. There's no plan B. If we are a follower of Christ, there's a call on our life, and that call is to be a part of Christ's spiritual and physical bread sharing, disciple-making ministry. God wants to use up us to bring the lost back to himself. God's miraculous ministry includes love, grace, healing, forgiveness, Forgiveness, hope, meaning, purpose, fulfillment, restoration of marriages, restoration of entire lives, moving them through the ministry of the gospel and Holy Spirit through us into wholeness, salvation. That's bread given from us, given by him. On every page of the Bible, we learn that God is on the side of the weak and the unprotected, the widow and the orphan, the infant, and those who have infirmities. And God's plan is to use us as conduit for the miracles, the miraculous in this world. You know, I love going to Anderson Hills at the Salem campus on Thursdays around dinner time. Uh, a few months ago, we started a grocery giveaway, and as people started to lose you know, their jobs because of the virus, and one person who stopped, uh, we gave her some groceries, and we prayed for her. We found out that she was living in her car. And the church is on a route of the metro, and the driver of the bus started stopping that metro bus and go, hey, does anybody need any groceries? And I'd watch, I'd watch like Denise and, and other people just taking groceries up on this bus. So awesome. And Thursday, now... In the summer, we are doing worship and sharing the message. I watched Sue Lee the other week preach. Let's take a look at this video about what's going on at Salem right now. So we have been doing a community dinner every month um, at the Mount Washington School. And uh, we had one planned for March, but obviously we were not able to do that. So we wanted to do something to meet the needs of... Um, the people who we had started to make relationships with. So we came up with the idea to have a grocery giveaway. And then we were wondering if we would have enough donations to keep this going. 
but it grew and grew and as each week it grew the donations came and God multiplied just like the fish and loaves we would talk with the people and find out some personal stories and then say a prayer over them that was very personal related to what they were going through and at the end of the prayer the woman with teary eyes looked at me and said I really received that uh, one week we had a man come through and he asked me what paperwork he needed a lot of times when you go to a pantry you need certain paperwork and I just said we're serving the children of God here so everyone qualifies and he got teary-eyed and said he'd never had to do anything like this before and was kind of embarrassed and just being able to make him feel like it was okay and we were here to help everyone and we had a woman who came through and was just about to have a baby baby number seven baby number seven <laughs> car full of kids so we were able, able to help her every week we didn't think we could get it keep it going 10 weeks but we were able to because of what God did so it built my faith a lot to see to watch God multiply right. um, all, all the food that came in and we always had enough groceries if we ended up with two bags of groceries we'd be packing up and two cars would pull in and it was just always miracles like that right. like we always had enough and and we had donations from La Soup and it always uh -huh. seemed like we had exactly the same number of soups that we had bags of groceries right. by the everything end of the night, just so. it was just miraculous so when we came to the end of our grocery giveaway we realized that obviously there was a need in the area and we wanted to keep something going but we didn't want to just have people drive through and get groceries and pray over them. We wanted to invite them um, to some fellowship with us. We wanted to be able to share the Word of God with them um, and have them sit down. We could talk with them and really start to really form some deeper relationships. So we decided that uh, we could have a meal outside. You give me joy down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. That's awesome. Do you hear the word um, miracles, multiplication, uh, support, and just enough? And we see that right now, spiritual food. I love how the cars will pull up and we'd shove some groceries in their trunk and then you see, see one of our servants just going like that and the person's nodding in her head, forehead's hitting the steering wheel there. Spiritual food. Transformation going on in them. You know what I, I love about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000? Everyone had their fill. <laughs> People had to loosen their sashes, you know, to get to make their bellies get a little more puffed out. There was enough to spare. There's 12 baskets each one of the, for each one of the disciples. They carried it out. God opened up heaven's kitchen, and it, was, it, it turned bread and fish uh, just hurling out from this divine restaurant, just being poured out upon these people, and there was enough to spare. God was stating in this miracle, I'm going way beyond your expectations into the realm of the impossible, and God used it to share that abundant miracle and to increase the faith of those around and show his kingdom. You see, Jesus is the savior of the world. He is saving, he is feeding, and he is giving life and spiritual nourishment to all. And he wants to use you to be a part of that ministry, that feeding ministry, that miraculous mission 
uh, making disciples, feeding all physically and spiritually that kind of bread that comes from him. And he invites us to bring what we have, and he wants to bless it and pour it out. Bless us and have us be in partnership and pour it out. I hope that you can just help others just go, hmm, hmm. And you'll see their lives transform by the Savior of the world, by this bread that comes from heaven. And I want you to go and eat all you want and then pass that on to others. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, um, you supply, you nourish, you fill us. You're the bread of life. And we saw it in this miracle that took place, the feeding of thousands and thousands of people. And there was enough to spare. You give us enough to spare. And Lord, may we share. May we share you, Jesus Christ, because we are the body of Christ. And we feasted on your body, your bread. We're forgiven, we're freed for joyful obedience and sent into the ministry of the world, to the world. And we love you and we thank you for choosing us. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen.